I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Brown, and joining me in the studio this week, we have Chief Football Writer Miguel Delaney, columnist Tony Evans, and sports editor Ben Burrows. This week, we're going to be talking about The Independent Century, which is a series we are running all this week on the website about the best 100 players of the last two decades. We asked 10 of our football writers to identify their 50 greatest players before then working out an overall list of 100. We started announcing 20 players per day on Monday, and we're going to spend this episode talking about a few of them. So first, Miguel, do you want to start by maybe explaining why we're doing this and also running through a few of the kind of challenges behind a list like this? Basically, it's coming to the end of the decade and we wanted to get in ahead of everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's an appropriate time to reflect. And I think it's actually all the more fitting because we're probably coming to the close of the Messi-Ronaldo era. Already, like we've seen a lot of commentary on that, that it's time to get used to the idea that they won't be around anymore. And I think they do change, I suppose, how you kind of perceive football and achievement and application of talent because... They've basically just set standards in terms of goals, trophies, and records that we haven't really seen. Like, it's, it's unprecedented. And, like, I was thinking about this when I was trying to pick my own list. Trying to judge a player like Zidane or even the Brazilian Ronaldo against their numbers is it's very it's, it's just got almost a, a completely different set of parameters. Um, but I don't think... I think what's also relevant to that is I don't think that's completely down to their talent, brilliant as they are, but one better than the other um it's uh i think it's also because they kind of personify a, a, another era um that they've benefited from and i'm and which is basically the super club era i mean their their rise coincided with i think the um huge economic con- huge concentration of resources and basically a few super clubs which is completely distorted the game i mean in contrast to uh, Maradona's era, the '90s, e- even when when Zidane was playing or, or or the Brazilian Ronaldo was playing, it's meant that Messi and Ronaldo have basically played in these super squads where they should just by by logic win the vast majority of their games because there's such a gap between them and and most of their opposition, uh, and I think that does make it difficult to kind of judge this and pull out some of the strands. I mean, that's a good introduction. So basically, we're just going to be plugging pieces as we go. So Miguel wrote a piece on Monday which kind of introduced the whole concept, runs through a few of those kind of difficulties, the, the super club era, things like that. Um, if we start by maybe talking about current players um, that are that are in the list. So uh, our Northern football correspondent, Mark Critchley, he wrote a piece today about Kevin De Bruyne um, and why he deserves his place at number 57. Um, and the whole piece is essentially him uh, arguing why he's not guilty of recency bias, really. Um, ben, do you want to kind of talk about the difficulty of maybe judging current players in a list like this? I mean, it's very tricky, isn't it? Because you you almost need like that sort of totality of a career to sort of entirely judge it against someone else. So like, how could you possibly compare 
Virgil van Dijk's achievements, who's on this list, to a someone like a, an Alessandro Nesta, who won everything he needed to win. And there's no there's there's no reason to say that Van Dijk can't do similar later on, but you can't you can't rate him on what might be. You can only rate him on what's happened already. Um, in Critch's piece, which is excellent, I think I advise everyone to read it. Um, he basically says that De Bruyne is a phenomenal player, but if you sort of stack him up in terms of trophies and sort of achievements so far, like a DFB Pokal at um, Bremen and uh, in the Bundesliga even, and an FA Cup and a couple of Premier Leagues, it doesn't really stack against some of the best ones. But if you actually look at his ability at playing football, he's unbelievable. And he, he describes him as a, a magician playing 4G chess. <laughs> it's quite interesting in his case that um, given the surrounding with City and what could be on the, on the horizon, this next couple of years are going to be very, very key to his sort of legacy in many ways. That, as Critch points out, if they are banned from the Champions League next season, this might be the sort of his last chance to sort of cement that real chance. He's going to be 30 next season. Um, so De Bruyne is quite an interesting one because, in pure footballing ability, he's the best player in the Premier League, has been for two and a half years, one of the best in Europe. Um, yet, He's, I don't know where he's about 50, 50 on our list. Because how much higher can he be after after not winning as much? Well, I think De Bruyne actually um, reflects maybe some of the difficulty in judging this. In that, apart from that recency element, but also in terms of he's basically at one of these super clubs, City, probably the super club given their ownership and the amount of money that's been pumped into the club over the past few years. Where if it does feel like, and especially under Guardiola, they have so many brilliant attacking players that most of them are actually a bit replaceable. It's quite a weird thing that. They're, like, they're all so brilliant, but it means that if two or three drop out, it's actually not. it doesn't affect the team that much, which kind of brings up all these questions. Like, like basically, I was thinking about this when I did the piece on Tuesday, whether, say, Diego Godin's title at Atletico Madrid and his influence on that is more important or more valuable than any title most City players win. But I think De Bruyne does stand apart from that in that he's the most... I think he's probably the most irreplaceable player on that team. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it, it is because, as you say, in the age of the Super Club, with you know, with rotating squads, hard to judge really is. And um, it, it's you know, you look. He's he's come to he's blossomed late in his career by comparison with the likes of. Messi and Ronaldo, who were pretty young, you know, because he had the false start at Chelsea, mm. certainly in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, so he, he, he's, what, 28 now? So he's, he's, you know, he's coming towards, he should be at his peak. And, but soon for a player like him with the pace he's got and the injuries he's got, you wonder whether he'll go over the top. And as you say, there are storm clouds on the horizon for City. And um, so you wonder. How will he kick on? How he'll kick on? Will he become a dominant player? And it it does skew it by the comparison, as Miguel said, to Messi and Ronaldo, because you know everything you're judging in the the past decades is 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 through them. And it, it's one of the things that interested me about the list really is that it's. It, it, it's a list that straddles the change, yeah. the, the game, the fundamental change in the game. I mean, even the 90s when the, the, the pace of development was beginning to speed up, there was still enough... Uh, sort of, uh, there was still enough contact with the old ways mm. to, you know, so you could judge people in relation to them. And then all of a sudden, uh, just 
the 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 there was a sort of huge break. You know, we've been through the watershed in the game really, and we're on the other side of it now. But there's a loads of players in this. You know, like Figo. And Ben, you mentioned Shearer. You know, it's um, we. I put Tony Adams in, but you know, he, he you know, he was one of the you know, a, a defender who ranks up there with Van Dyke. But well, you know, it's um, almost a man of another age. So I think I think that's one of the fascinating things about it. And um, you know, that some that means some of the choices will to a lot of people look a bit strange but when we were looking through some of the lists that we put forward I've never seen such wild swing like compared <laughs> to the Premier League list which is a lot more fixed I felt this had like some insane swings we, we should say shouldn't we really that we were deliberately quite vague in what we were asking people for yeah. so we asked people for the, the each individual journalist who took part we asked for their 50 greatest footballers of the last 20 years and that was pretty much it we yeah. weren't asking you know, which are the players who have won the most trophies or who who were the players most important to their teams. It was left vague, and I think that's why you've got such yeah, contrast and, in this. And, and, I mean, just on my list, I must have sent, after sending the original list, at least four or five corrections. <laughs> and the person I wanted to write about, I didn't include in my <laughs> list originally. So it's like, oh, you know, and say, oh, I've got to pop them in the top 20 now. You know, it's, well, uh, I, I looked at my own three days later and thought, what is this bollocks? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, if we if we stick with the kind of current players theme, uh, looking down the list, there's a lot of young players now, uh, and Bappe does very well. Harry Kane sneaks in there, people like that. Which players do you guys think are the guys most likely to kind of shoot up this list in say five years' time? Bappe, isn't it? Even though he's already so high. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mbappe is the obvious choice, I would think, given he's sort of he's. He is a key member of one of the biggest super clubs there is now in terms of financial backing and sort of how much how he's already set to win. I mean, he's guaranteed to win three trophies a season from when he starts. So, and he's also playing for a a nation who have got a production line of talent and have shown have shown that over the last decade. Whether he sort of goes the way of we've talked about before, it's quite interesting with sort of a, a player like like Mbappe, whose entire game is based off that like explosion that sort of real speed element, whether he goes the way of like a Michael Owen who started the same mm. way. But as you get older, you have to adapt your game differently. So perhaps what makes Mbappe great won't make him so good in, say, five, six, seven years' time. Yeah. Well, well, Owen's one of the millennium's Ballon d'Or winners, and he's not on this. Is, yeah. is he the only one, actually? Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, and, and he's an object lesson, after the first time his hamstring went, yeah. he was never the same player. And he talks about it. He, he's actually really, really interested on the subject. You know, that awareness that the next sprint you do, it might be the end. And, you know, so you wonder, with someone like Mbappe, if that happens to him, how it'll go. I mean, I think I think there's, you know, I'll probably go against popular opinion here, but I think there's a fair chance that Harry Kane will go up the list if he, you know, continues playing, he's, you know, he is, by comparison with some of these people on the list, a bit workmanlike, you know, it's, um, and he probably, let's be honest about it, he needs to leave Tottenham and win things, you know, because it's not going to happen there, is it? Kane's an um, interesting one, because he's probably the only player I can see on there who could feasibly move up loads or drop out altogether. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said it off there, and it's, it's actually worth repeating on air, but... We had this discussion at the weekend over when we were away with England that Kane is someone, he's followed that Ronaldo path of 
trying to be the ultimate professional, you know, marginal gains all over the place, shaving everything off, um, is how he works so that he's the ultimate pro and all to win absolutely nothing. Because he, I, mean, I suppose he couldn't make the most biggest marginal gain of all, which you could argue is to, to leave Spurs. But that, I mean, there is a bit of a, a contradiction there. I find the snobbishness around Kane so strange though. I mean, you know, using that logic, if he's playing in a team that aren't quite as good as the teams winning trophies and if he's playing in the England international team and yet if he's still winning Premier League golden boots and top scoring well, in the, at the World Cup, isn't that to his credit? Well, what are you in the game for though? I mean, because he's clearly not in it to just play, yeah. he's in it to achieve. But we're, we're judging this on personal standards, you know, well, it's, it's not a team achievement. Well, I think what, what you can judge it on, I mean, we are, we've said the age of the super club. So if you're playing for a super club, you're going to score a lot of goals. But, you know, I mean, he's not playing for one of the cannon fodder teams. He's playing for one of the sides that uh, aspires to getting into, if not the Real Madrid and Barcelona level, but certainly the elite level, the, the, the top level. And so he should be in a team that is aspiring to winning things and a team that's good enough to set up a lot of goals. I mean, if he was scoring these goals for Norwich, I buy the arguments. Tottenham uh, are going to, or should be, <laughs> I was going to say, Tottenham are going to roll over the likes of Newcastle. Um, uh, yeah, that worked out. But so it, they should be doing that. And, and you know, so, so, so as good as he is, there is, um, you know, I, I think to, to go to the next level, he needs to move to a club that plays at the next level. Okay, let's stick on the, uh, the topic of British players. So uh, we're not going to give away the final position of anybody or we're going to try not to but Ben and Miguel you disagree over the best British player um, Migs should we start with you who's your top I think it's Gerard. Did, did I have Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> defend it now Let's, can, I, can I see what I sent in <laughs> I thought I would have had Lamp I thought, I thought, I thought uh, Gerard was a more talented player but it was that classic case of kind of Lampard made himself more effective maybe maybe it was just he was in a bigger like a richer club in that sense well, I think I think he, he he was more reliable in the sense you knew what you're getting. You get yeah. twenty goals from midfield from a year, and you know sometimes even taking out the penalties, and that that's that's an exceptional haul. And so, and and he was more disciplined than Stephen. You know, yeah. as, as oh, so, I actually had Gerard ahead of Lampard by one. Yeah, you know, he, he was more disciplined. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, in many ways, you know, if I was picking a team, and obviously my biases towards Gerrard but if I was picking a team I'd think long and hard about putting Lampard in first because I'd know what I was getting from yeah. and you know it's um, and he's not going to he's not going to go charging up the pitch and disappear you know it's um, he's going to fill the position that he plays in I mean, so it was always quite interesting that it was one of Gerrard or likely Scholes who was the ones who were shifted rather than Lampard so I think a lot of his managers saw that Lampard was key in that centre midfield because you still need to keep him there. Now, Perhaps now, that's to do with sort of. Now, now tell me, Scholes is not on the list. Go <laughs> tell me, Scholes is not on the list. <laughs> he can't be on the list. I don't think he is, is he? Yeah, Paul Scholes is. I know he's the... on the list. I know he's on the list. <laughs> and I'm just trying to wind everyone up because this is the most overrated player who ever kicked a ball in the, in the history of time. You know what? We, we, all these quotes saying, oh, the best player ever played against. He was never even the best player in any team he played in. Not one single team. Not one, probably not one single game. 
And you know, it's like this myth of Paul's goals. You know, oh yeah, you know, he's the, the best passer. Why did managers like Ferguson never play him in the position that everyone thinks he should have played? You know, Ferguson even played him in the half and half position behind Van Nistelrooy. He didn't know what to do with him because he wasn't that he, he, good. He, actually, he did. He only fi- Ferguson only actually figured that out as well. If he, if he was that good a midfielder, as was often said, why did Ferguson only put him there in his late thirties? Yeah. And and if you actually do look at for Skulls' prime years, which are basically or should have been his prime years. Which would have been 2003, and he did have a good 0203 season by Vanisteroy to 2006, 2007. He actually kind of went missing for a bit. Now these were fallow years for United, but mm. maybe that says something in itself. There, there is a. I, I, every time I think of Skulls, I think of this tweet by an account Burnage Daydream mm. uh, called Gaz. Um, and it's, it was when Kauto Star died, and it's like a piss take of all those kind of made up quotes from foreign footballers about Skulls, which is just. <laughs> My toughest opponent, Skulls of Manchester, <laughs> by, by Cowdo Star. <laughs> the horse. Skulls, Skulls is uh, two places above Roy Keane, Miguel. What do you make of that? It's ludicrous. <laughs> it's absolutely ludicrous. You know what? I, I would shoot everyone who's involved in compiling the list, including myself. But they, I mean, I, I probably, I, I'm not going to say nationality bias. I mean more familiarity bias. But if you look at that millennium alone, I think Keane was responsible for one of the most impressive individual feats in that he absolutely dragged Ireland to the 2002 World Cup. So that's dragging a small nation to like quite a high level in a way that kind of, like a lot of these players don't really play for countries that small. Obviously to go with his Manchester, but I, I, don't, I don't think Skulls ever applied that sort of in, individual influence on any team ever. No, didn't dominate games. I would argue that the best English slash British slash Irish player is actually someone we've not mentioned at all yet, which is Ashley Cole. I'd say that he was the only one of the, any of these players who was truly world class for his entire, basically his entire career. And that, was the that's domi- the man I forgot about and wanted to write yeah, about because that's exactly what I wanted to write. He's the he's the dominant dominant left back of his era, both in the Premier League and in Europe. Won. Uh, several Premier League titles, won seven FA Cups more than anybody else, and yeah, overall was yeah he was the he was the object lesson. He was the the standard everyone he, he set the standard for everybody else at that position. Mm. It for as good as and as great as Scholes allegedly, Gerrard and Lampard were. They were never that. Lampard was third on the Ballon d'Or list, which is very impressive. Which Stephen never did, mm. but. Ashley Cole was, was, for me anyway, certainly the best. And not only that, he was part of that Arsenal's invincible team where th- their main point of attack was down the left. You know, in Pires and Henri was a fantastic flank. You know, they, they, they just caused all manner of problems. And he was a crucial part of that. And the so-called golden generation, he was the only one who was consistently top class. And as Ben says, consistently would have made a world eleven. Okay, I'm getting angry looks from uh, Tom, the producer. So we're going to go for a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about some of the players who have been unlucky to miss out. We're going to tackle the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. And we're also going to continue discussing why this list is ultimately a load of rubbish. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week is the Independent Century Special, which is our list of the 100 greatest footballers of the last two decades. And we're going to start this part of the podcast by talking about why it is rubbish. So, Miguel, looking down the list, which player do you think has been the uh, the most underrated? Most underrated? Uh, David Villa, maybe? 33? Uh, the fact that Raul is ahead of him is a joke. <laughs> um, people have voted that. <laughs> like, he, he, he basically ousted Raul from the Spanish national team. Immediately became top scorer in three in two successive tournaments, and Spain actually started winning things when they got when they when they made that change. There's obviously bigger reasons for that, but still, uh, I mean, for a team that just passed and passed and passed, he offered cutting edge. I think I think he's one of the most underrated players in the last few decades, to be honest. We should probably plug your um, Barca into long read because obviously so much of that is about Zlatan and the problems Pep had, kind of cramming him into that Barcelona yeah. team and the problems that caused, and then obviously they go out get Villa and. Yeah, and that was it. Was, it was after the second leg, basically, where Guardiola realised he, I mean, he looks at Abramovich, and I, like, I think as they said, that was basically the moment that, that Abramovich was done. That, um, Ibrahimovic, should I say? Uh, Guardiola decided to get rid, and they did what they should have done in the summer of two thousand nine when they got rid of Eto'o. Although there's, there's a question over whether they should have got rid of Eto'o at all, uh, but they got in Via, who just so suited that Barca, and he and like, he was brilliant that season as well. He scored the. You know the key or the, the key third goal in the Champions League final curled it into the top corner, um, and it was only, it was only just that he got injured the next season that he probably was denied maybe Barca another Champions League and Spain. Uh, he, well, Spain won the Euro twenty twelve, having to adapt without him. But I think he obviously would have made him even better. We touched on uh, we touched on this earlier in the podcast. Uh, Mark Critchley's article about kind Tarty. of mo- <laughs> T- Totti's 31 that is nonsense I'm not really that sure is. I'm not sure how that happened I think he was quite he was kind of in the middle of every single person's you, list you, you know what Totti is though he's it's a little bit like Pirlo but Pirlo's a much better player in that where is be, Pirlo? Be, uh, 11 to be fair like he's centre of a Champions League team centre <laughs> yeah, yeah. of a World <laughs> Cup team but, but, but Totti though like he, it's a little like Pirlo it's because of how he looks and because of a certain <laughs> way of, uh, in terms of his style and all because of the kind of the whole Italian sheen thing. It's a bit of a shorthand for people who don't really know much about football. It's like, ooh, mm. he's good. Like, he's class. He's got nice but, hair, the inverted number 10. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. God's sake! Yeah. <laughs> Totti, another example of sort of one of those guys who straddles the sort of end, the start point of our list as well. Um, a lot of what he did very well in Serie A came before the millennium mm. and obviously he won a World Cup afterwards. But He wasn't essential to that 2006. He wasn't what I would say in terms of someone who's underrated, I would go for Aguero. I think if we said earlier that De Bruyne is the one irreplaceable player, I would perhaps argue that it's Aguero. You've seen the difference he makes when he plays. A guy who gets you 20 goals a season, you could argue, as we have, that he should be doing this well because he's playing for a super team. But he will go down as one of the greatest, certainly one of the greatest players in City history and one of the best players in Premier League history. He scored the most famous goal in Premier League history. Mm, he sort of, if you look on this list, he get, he's in at 60. He sort of is around about the point where you, you end from being very good in one league to being 
a very a winner on a Champions League stage and then a winner at international level. You sort of everyone after him are guys who've won World Cups. Yeah, I don't, won I don't understand Champions why League. he's so much higher than Harry Kane, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Well, he's done it regularly over the years. Well, Kane's I mean, outscored him two Premier League seasons. Kane's done it at international level, which mm. Aguero's never really done. Yeah, well, he can he can produce trophies though and medals. So, I mean, that's a well, that's a good yeah. start. <laughs> what, what, what did I actually interrupt you with there? <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask, actually, so uh, Critch wrote his article about uh, modern players and the criticism you always get on Twitter or Facebook or whatever with kind of features like this is people accusing you of recency bias. Mm. So I wanted to ask um, which player on this list do you think uh, is kind of in there, you know, and and, and maybe shouldn't be. I, I, w- I would look towards Van Dyke to be perfectly honest, who's in 83. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah. I mean, or Salah above you know, Van Dyke, you know, it's, um, I, I think you can make that argument for any player who's still playing. But for me, the biggest scandal in the list, the crime of the century, is is Zidane is below Xavi. Now, Xavi is a great player. The, the best nuts and bolts player I've probably ever seen. But Zidane, Zidane, and I know he straddled the millennium, but come on. And, you know, you can make an argument for Messi and Cristiano being above him, but Zidane, Zidane, he's the player who's probably the great player who's most underrated. Um, I, yeah. I, I actually think he's overrated. No. <laughs> I, I, I think if you, he went missing. So he basically, I've I think, had, for this. <laughs> he had so many huge moments, but lo- lots of kind of gaps in between. You know, that's like, what, what you play for, the huge moments. He dragged teams to World Cups, to win them World Cups, but, but that's a weird Champions thing. Leagues. He, beyond, he, beyond that, and he, he, was, he started in that Galactico team. In 2002, they were, they're all the, it was Madrid's centenary year, and their big thing was basically, we're going to win the treble. And they kind of spawned a Champions League against Leverkusen, granted, with a brilliant goal. But, mm. then, but after that, that Madrid team, he spent, what, four years in Madrid, 2001-2006 he won two trophies a Champions League and a league that is for and, and they, didn't, they, they didn't he win the one against Valencia as well um, he won he won Champions League in 2000 he went in 2001 won Champions League 2002 won League 03 then they then they did nothing for three years in the Galactic career that's, that's uh, five years at Madrid three years when he's kind of just floating well I mean are we going to forget like you know the, the World Cup like the European well, Championships well, 98 though so uh, it, it didn't happen well, 2006 when he had his uh, he suddenly in the, in the, la- in the la- sorry in the last group game was it the last 16 I- where he suddenly turbo powered having been doing nothing for the first three matches he, he was amazing in the final apart yeah. from the moment where he headbutted somebody in the chest What's, I mean shouldn't button someone on the pitch elevate you at least three or four <laughs> places the, the, the one thing I would say as well uh, he probably actually maybe other than Cannavaro in 2006 in a different way he's the only player that has actually completely dominated a tournament in the mm. like in the historic kind of Maradona way, and he did that in Euro yeah. 2000. Well, I was going to say you, you you could you know parachute Xavi into you know, that team. I know they're different sorts mm. of players, but into that midfield instead of Zidane, and they don't win it. You know, it's uh, and it, it's Xavi and Zidane would have worked perfectly together. That would have been just brilliant. But like I, I just think the 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 outrageous talent I, I suppose the the only other player I'd say is probably overrated the one of the greats is um is Beckenbauer, but he's out of this time timeline. Uh but I, I I honestly I hear all the time that Zidane disappeared. And look thinking back, I don't remember him disappearing, but maybe I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> 
What about uh, Brazilian Ronaldo? While we're on this kind of theme of players who are, you know, very good at the end of the 90s and then kind of coming into the new millennium, uh, he won't give his exact position away, but he's comfortably inside the top 10. Is that generous? No. Eight goals in the World Cup to win it. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, he was outrageous. And again, he straddled the, the millennium. So, at, um, you know, and, and some of his most exciting uh, football was played before. But he was just, he was a phenomenon. You know, it's um, I, I, it just unbelievable. And he did, he did get old very, very quickly. But, I mean, he had, he had a, enough of a golden period in this millennium to, to definitely put him in the top ten. I mean, he's one of those guys, as you get to the sharp end of any list, that they sort of, it, all these things, all these uh, diverse sort of threads we've been talking about all combined with five, six, seven, eight players where they were generational talents and they also won everything. So Ronaldo was, I mean, he was a video game player, but potentially his peak was slightly before. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's still, yeah, like Mig said, eight goals and a World Cup to win it is, is pretty good. Mig is about to explode. Griezmann at 67. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's gone for that? He better not be on my list. That was <laughs> that was that was Dermot. I think we can name drop. That was Dermot Corrigan had Griezmann incredibly high. Ah, come on. Yeah, Griezmann is not on my list. Deco is though. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, I don't think Griezmann was on my list either. It's um, yeah, well, but the, but you know, it's it. I I mean, he's a good player. He's um. And probably over the length of his career, once he's retired, he, he might well sneak in, yeah. you know, over a twenty-year period, and probably sneak in into the nineties. Um, he's a bit high already. I mean, you know, sixty-seven. Um, we were, I've just given that one away, but that's we've seen that earlier on in the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that is. But then when you've got Schneider in there as well, above him. You think to yourself, well, you know, why not? <laughs> okay, I think we've avoided it for long enough. So any debate about the best players of the last 20 years naturally has to touch on Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, before we get into a discussion on who was the best, I, I think we all agree. Uh, Miguel, do you want to explain a bit more, you know, how these two have yeah, changed football, essentially kind of ushered in that super club era um, and how they've changed our perception of kind of individual greatness as well. I think it's probably not just changed our perceptions, but I think what's instructive as well is that they're both essentially the two, and it probably adds to the whole rivalry, uh, the two contrasting archetypes of players, and that one was just pure natural talent. The other obviously had an awful amount of natural talent, but yet what really took him up to close to the level of the other one was, uh, you know, this very, very 21st century ultra professional hard work marginal gains everything involved you know he really you know there wasn't an inch of his career left un, unexplored to try and make him a better player um so yeah in in that in that sense um cuz even if you remember like they probably ronaldo came through in 2003 when he had that friendly against united and they i think they had already been scouting him but that was basically the day ferguson just went okay let's let's go for it um and yeah he still kind of he didn't really have proper... Im- he, he seemed a very, very flighty player until the 06-07 season. Mm. And that was his first proper goal season. And even then, he actually tailed off a lot after Christmas. Whereas Messi, well, he made his debut around 2005 and already you could see straight away, this, this is the future. This is, and and that, kind of, that stayed very, very constant bar injuries he had, which were only really solved. And I think it's something forgotten about Messi probably. That I think for, for the first three years of his career, he had a, a long-term injury, like three months. Uh, every season and that only stopped when Guardiola took over at City and you know a, it helped with his hamstring injuries 
Uh, but then, so, so suppose it was around 07, 08, Ronaldo maybe a year before, where they just basically started to produce these figures. And at first it was kind of, you know, top-level Shearer, Hugo Sanchez stuff, you know, mid-30s scoring every season. And then it just stayed stayed at that level and went beyond from basically 08. Uh, and it just became to, to a level and a, and a consistency. Ever and I think that's the thing, in, in, like in contrast to Zidane in that way, where we're talking about Zidane in great moments, it does feel with Messi and Ronaldo that it's not so much great moments, it does, actually some of their moments almost get underplayed because we see so much of them. I mean, if you, if you, even if you, if you see some of the stuff Messi produces every week, that if that was any other player, you'd be talking, like, it'd, it'd just be career-defining stuff. But with him, it's just the, the way it is. Yeah. I think uh, everyone here agrees that Messi is above Ronaldo, so it's probably more interesting to ask, do you guys think that this is now a closed debate, or are there valid arguments for Cristiano actually being the better player? I, well, I think... I, the way I'd look at it, it over a season, Messi, I take Messi all the time. For a single game, I'd take Ronaldo. So I, I, it's not cut and dried as Messi is you know, so far ahead of him. Because obviously, over a season, Ronaldo's going to cause havoc um, as well. But, you know, come at the moment, Cristiano Ronaldo is the man you turn to. And sometimes Messi, by his standards, has... I mean, we're being harsh both on Zidane and I'm going to use the same phrase, gone missing. And that's very, very harsh because he doesn't quite go missing. But sometimes he hasn't imposed himself on big games as much as he does throughout the season. And Ronaldo invariably does. But isn't there a different thing there? And it comes down to how they play that, whereas Messi is basically just a pure player and that he's, he's always going to be involved in playing, pushing play to make it happen. Whereas Ronaldo is someone ultimately because of his physique that it, no matter how he's played in the match... You send the ball to him in the six-yard box. He heads it in. That's his moment. Well, I, I think the, the big contrast between them is vanity and humility, and it's it's both on and off the pitch. You know, it's um, you know Cristiano. It's all about him. I mean, you know, it, it really is. Whereas Messi, if Messi thinks a five-yard ball to the left back will be better for the team, he'll give it. You know, Maradona was the same. Yeah. But like, um, you know, <laughs> Cristiano will do like a, 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 a it through the, you know, the, 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 the marker's legs and turn and go. And if it doesn't work, he'll blame the left back. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a messy guy. I was, I was, all, I would always say that football is more about, it's, I'm, for me anyway, it's all, it's a person, it's all a personal preference, but for me, it's about how it makes you feel. So it's what Messi can do and what he on a field, the way he can play, the way he sort of that unique, like just the ball under his spell makes you, it makes you feel things that you, that Ronaldo doesn't. Ronaldo's relentless. Ronaldo's a machine, but he doesn't make you feel sort of that magic, that sort of thing that when you were a kid, you watched the player do something. It was, it was incredible. That's what it is for me. I think in terms of the question we asked, I mean, Ronaldo's making a relentless case. Like, it's his post thirty run is like something we've never seen. Like we said, Messi has been a pretty sort of consistent level that he's got to, and he's continued. Ronaldo post Manchester United at Real Madrid and since is just remarkable. Like you cannot rule him out of any game. Like the, I mean, last season's a great example. Atletico had that game done after one leg, and then Ronaldo through almost it felt like on that that night through force of will. Mm willed his team through to the next round. This, um, this brings us perfectly onto the last question, really, because I wanted to ask, can your opinion on this change, like say Ronaldo drags Juventus to a Champions League title, which obviously that club is desperate for, and say he then inspires Portugal to 
defend their European Championship title. Could that switch the debate? I don't think so. I think Messi is just too good. Um, I think he's um, a phenomenal talent, and for all Cristiano's uh, ability, I, I, I don't think that would change things. I think if you look at the careers in the rounds, Messi has won enough that we can't say, you know, yeah. I mean, you can say he hasn't won, you know, uh, uh, an international tournament, but I don't think that demeans him significantly in in this argument, and I don't think it elevates Ronaldo. Uh, higher enough to make you know to make him better overall. I just, I think I mean like I said it's more about to me sort of purely in terms of who's the most talented footballer. I think regardless of how many trophies you win or how many goals you score or the records you break, if you look at those two footballers together, then there's only one who's who's the best. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, sadly, that's all we've got time for this week. Be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything going on. And if you're a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.